glad to be in church here today. Yes. Folks, the time has come. We better get rid of our, our, our selfish inhibitions and get rid of our self-consciousness. And we need to break through and just praise God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's sitting next to you. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what, what uh, 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 background people come from and you think, well, we didn't do this in my church. Well, regardless of what we did or didn't do in our former churches, it's not about that. It's about what God told us to do, regardless of our tradition, regardless of our history. Amen. But I'll tell you what, we want the, the earth to yield her increase. And we want to be cared for and we want God to pour out his blessing. And there's people that are wondering, where is it? Why haven't I not received the blessing of my tithe? How come it's not producing fruit? Your mouth has remained closed. You forgot to water your obedience with praise, with glorifying God. Folks, believe me, there's nobody in this room probably more self-inhibited than, than I was and at times am st- still tempted to be. It's not about that. You better stop letting your personality be an excuse of why you're not praising God. Let's get in there and praise God because you can just sense the glory of God is in this place. When the righteous rejoice, there's great glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So receive that. Maybe you came from a background like I did. I mean, I'll tell you what, it would take a crowbar and three hammers to get my mouth open to say any praise during, during a church service. You know, I'll tell you what, those days have got to come to a close. We have better understand that God requires our response. And people say, well, I have praise in my heart. No, then if you got praise in your heart, then it's going to come out of your mouth. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You cannot say, I'm filled with praise, and then not have it come out your mouth. Amen. When you get filled with praise, man, it is going to come out of your mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. There's some of you today, you're receiving blessing, you're receiving answers. Just Some of you are receiving refreshing just by being in an in a, in a atmosphere like that. There's things that are, cut, that are being broken off your life. Bad things being broken off, good things being added to you. You might not feel it, you might not sense it, you might not know when it's going to specifically manifest, but it's all happening right here. Because you're in an environment. You're in, a, you're in an atmosphere for those things, the good things, the blessing of God to get on you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church? If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and then also go hold your place in John chapter 4. Glory to God. When the people rejoice... The earth shall yield her increase, and our God shall bless us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our God will bless us. Our God will bless us. You've moved into blessing today, even if it just absolutely upsets your religious mindset. I'll tell you, we're not here to protect any sacred cows here today. Well, that's not what my tradition and my religion did. Well, do you know that tradition and religion can absolutely dry you up in a hurry? Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you teach, for doctrines of God, you teach traditions of men. Jesus said, you know not the scriptures, nor the power of God. A lot of times people, they, 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 they... they just fall into a church routine. And they think, well, that's the way it always was. And since we trust those people uh, uh, in the pulpit, that must be the way it is. No, we need to make sure we go to the Word. Yes. It's unfortunate that our nation has, ha- absolutely does not recognize. When they see something like this, people start accusing it as being cult-like. All that shouting and all that praising, all those voices, it just sounds like a cult. Um, no, it sounds like heaven. Heaven is the biggest and best cult going. Do you realize when the word describes heaven, do you realize what you're going to see there? Uh, you, think, you, you think yourself and inhibitions are going to fly before the throne of God? 
you're going to see stuff that is going to shake, rattle, and roll your religious thinking. And it's time to break off the cobwebs, shake off the rust, shake off the dust. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If I get an opportunity, today I'm going to preach a message called the Spirit of Man. <laughs> the Spirit of Man. We're living in the times when, 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 when people, even God's people that know and believe God, are getting so, so shaken by trials, so moved by circumstances. And the reason why people get shaken and, and moved and, and, and they get trial that uh, uh, seems to start to move them away from God is because they have forgotten to invest in their spiritual nature. Folks, we know trials are going to come. Trials are going to come against us all. They're not unique. You know, they're not unique to you. They're not unique to me. You know, the Bible says there's no temptation such as common demand. Everything you face, someone else has faced it before. Every trial that's come against you, someone else is going through it worse. You know what I mean? And we need to understand that, that, that trials are just going to be a part of this life. And the one way that we make sure that we are not moved away, that we're not discouraged away from the plan of God, is to have a solid understanding of our spirit nature. See, I'll tell you what, the only way to face this world is to live above it. And the only way you're going to live above it is if you are more conscious of the realm of God and you are more conscious that there is another realm. And in God's realm and in the realm that where God lives, I'll tell you what, there's no bad economy. There's no rising gas prices. There's no mortgage failures. Hallelujah. Where God lives is perfect peace. Glory to the Lord. And, 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 and how many of you know that that's your home? This earth isn't your home. Have you ever been visiting a big city or something? Or maybe even right here in town. And you can go through some pretty rough neighborhoods, right? Go through some pretty rough neighborhoods and a lot of bad things happen in, in some of those places. And you, and you drive through them. But just because you're driving through them doesn't mean you're setting up shop to live there. Right? In the same way as you go through this life, you are not setting up shop to live here. This isn't my home. This isn't your home. We're going to be a lot longer there than we are here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But I'll tell you what, the only way to face living here is to live above it. The only way you're not going to get pulled into the riffraff and the strife and the debates and the arguments and the the, the worries of this life is that you have such a a solid handle on your spirit nature. Your spirit man is is connected and in communication with God and you are more conscious of his realm and of his blessing than you are uh, uh, of the cares of this life. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the spirit of man. Do you understand that you are a spiritual being? Let me show you this. In the word of God. Let's first go to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. People are moved by circumstances. But how many of you know that those of us that have gotten a revelation of the spirit, how many of you know circumstances don't move us, we move circumstances. Mountains don't move you, you move mountains. Hallelujah. And just because, you know, trial comes against you doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. It doesn't make you less of a believer. It doesn't mean that you haven't been a spiritual person just because you're going through something tough. Don't be surprised when something tough shows up. Get into the realm of the Spirit. Start dealing with it where it matters. Start moving those circumstances. Because if you're living by just what you see and what you feel and what you hear, I'll tell you what, this world is going to beat you up in a hurry. Because there's too much bad to look at. There's too much bad to hear. There's nothing but bad news all over the place. But how many of you know we are the recipients of the good news? Hallelujah. But you you are not going to live conscious of that realm. Uh, You are not going to live in that peace until you've developed your spirit man on the inside. The flesh, your body isn't the real you, right? There is an inward man, a man, the Bible says, the inner man or the inward man of the heart. That God deals with. That God's communicating with. God isn't talking to your flesh. God isn't talking to your mind. He's talking to your spirit. And so many people, they go without the plan of God. They're floating through this life because they never tuned their spirit to hear the direction that God would give them. Because when, wherever God leads, he's going to feed you. He's going to provide for you there. Let's get into this. 
let me just show you that, first of all, that you are a spiritual being. You are a spirit being. Genesis 1.26, when God was creating humanity, he said this, let us make man in our image. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Let's make man in our image and after our likeness. God's saying, let's create a being that is in the same class of God. Not the same rank as God, but in the same class of God. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Let him have dominion. Hallelujah. That was God's plan for you, to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. That doesn't mean we just look like God, but we're made in his likeness or the same class of being, right? In verse 28, it says, God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Hallelujah. Now, you're holding your place in John chapter 4. Flip over there. Let's go to John 4, 24. Jesus speaking, and he gives us a good idea of what kind of being God is. Look what, what, look what Jesus said. This is literally the words of Jesus. Perhaps the words are read in your Bible. That indicates that Jesus is speaking. In verse 24, Jesus says this. He says, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what I was exhorting you to do a few moments ago. Just worship out of the inside. Worship out of your heart. And you can never worship out of your heart until something comes out of your mouth. Amen? But notice he says here, he tells us the nature of God. He says, God is a spirit. Meaning that God is an eternal being with the capability of living in eternity. Now, remember, humanity was created in the likeness and in the image of God. So therefore, we must also be a spirit being, right? Meaning we are capable of living in eternity. We have to understand that. This short earthly life in this carnal body, is, it's a vapor compared to eternity, all right? So when God made humanity, he made humanity with a spark. He made humanity with, a, with a, the substance of God, an eternal substance on the inside, your spirit man. Your spirit man is the real you. People say, well, my personality, it all comes from the outside. No, no, no. Your personality, everything you are is, is uh, 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 inspired from your spirit. Your flesh, what you see, that's just the, the, the crude substance that manifests here on this earth, okay? You are a spirit being. You will live for eternity. It's just a matter of where. I teach on this all the time because we have to get spirit conscious. We can't be so flesh conscious and expect God to lead and to direct us and bless us. All right? So we're going to talk about the spirit of man. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Job. Go to Job chapter 32, and we're going to look at an amazing statement that was made thousands of years ago in a time before there was any Bible, in a time before there was any pastors, before there was any local churches, we're going to look at a a statement that is just absolutely incredible. Mankind is like God in the sense that we are eternal beings. All right? You have to understand that. And it's your eternal nature. Now, remember what God said? He said, I'm going to make them in my own likeness, in my own image, and they're going to have dominion. They're going to have dominion. Yes, yes. That means kingdom reign. That's right. Yes. means they're going to rule and reign in life. Yes. Sounds a lot like Romans 5.17, doesn't it? If by one man's offense, death reigned by one, how much more they that would have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life as kings by one, Jesus Christ. That's God's plan for us, yes. to have dominion, to rule and reign. I'll tell you what, that means that we rule and reign in this life. Meaning we're not kicked over by every trial that comes against us. We're not dismayed. War generals, kings, they're not moved by an attack. 
they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't uh, sweat the attack, so to speak, right? They know and they understand, hey, it doesn't matter, I'm still in authority, I, I, I have a, a position of authority, I can rule and reign and conquer this thing. Yes. The Bible says we are more than yes. conquerors through Christ who's loved us. That's right, that's right, that's right. I mean, do you think Jesus could handle your mortgage? Don't you think the God that's living on the inside of you can handle those symptoms? Don't you think he's bigger than pain? Don't you think he's bigger than depression? Don't you think he's bigger and stronger than that addiction? Hallelujah, he's bigger, he's stronger. And he gave you that nature, that likeness, just like him. Start ruling reigning. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 21, he says, To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my Father in his throne. Jesus says to you overcomers, he says, Come and sit down with me on my throne. Take a view from where I'm sitting. Rule from where I'm sitting. But yet Christians, they get in a trial and trouble. Oh, no, they start pulling their hair, wringing their hands, getting worried, losing sleep at night. Well, if you would develop and invest your spirit man, you, why was Jesus sleeping in the back of that boat in the middle of that storm? Waves were crashing over him. I mean, I've been on a boat in the, in the, in the Atlantic Ocean, a small sailboat in a storm. I've seen waves crashing over a boat. I was, I was on the front of a boat working one time down in Florida. I was in the Gulf Stream in the midst of a storm and the boat was about 40, uh, 44 feet long, and uh, there was about 12-foot waves that were out there. And uh, when, the, when the bow of that boat would crash, it would just, I mean, huge amounts of water would pour over that boat. And I was working on the very front of it. And so that boat was 44 feet long, and those waves would come and push that boat up. And that front of that boat would go sky high into the air, and I would be up there looking into the trough of the waves. So you take about 12 feet for the wave height plus another 30 feet of the boat height that was sticking out. I was looking down at the water on a boat from four stories high. And that was a, a pretty minor storm. Jesus was in a great storm. Waves were crashing over, yet he slept through it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, remember what the, his, his disciples came up? Lord, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus, if he, he could have said, no, I don't care. Meaning, not, not speaking that about the people. Of course, he cared about the people. He said, I'm not worried about the storm because I'm locked in on the inside to where my father is sitting. He said, I, I'm thinking about where my father is, right? What does the Bible say over there in Colossians 3? One, ye that be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things beneath. Hallelujah. You can get to a place where you're more mindful of what the day that God's having today. It doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. God's always having a good day. And he's living on the inside of you. You don't have to be so depressed, beat up, busted, disgusted, and all the rest, right? Job 32. Let's go to verse 7. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord was telling me all day yesterday, so you're going to have a good service tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, we're having a good service. Imagine that. What God said is true. Let's go to Job 32 and verse 7. Now, this, this uh, scripture is being spoken by a gentleman by the name of Elihu. Elihu has just stood back. And remember how the, the, the trials of Job, remember all the things that he went through. He lost children, he lost everything he owned, he went through hell on earth, right? And the, and, and the Bible tells us that then three friends approached Job and basically accused him, saying, these trials are your fault, right? Real good friends to have, right? Real, real encouragement. And then there was a fourth gentleman who was younger than the other three, and they st he stepped forward, and this is what he says. Elihu has just watched all that Job went through. He watched his three buddies just discourage the life right out of Job. And then Elihu steps up, and look what he says in verse 7. Elihu says, I said, days should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Let me just 
interpret that for you. If you have a newer translation, it explains it a lot better. But what Elihu is saying, he's saying, listen, I'm the youngest guy here. So I let the older guys talk because I was going to prefer experience. Let their experience, let their age, let their wisdom speak first. That's wise. Amen. Praise the Lord. But now something else turns around. But now look what he says. Now he watched as those three aged men talked and basically just discouraged Job. And then he says in verse 8, he says, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. This is an amazing statement. He had no Bible. Job is the first written book in the Bible, meaning is the oldest written book in the Bible. He had no scriptures to go on. He had no pastor. He had no spiritual leadership. He just perceived with God that there is a spirit in man and God speaks to that spirit in man. That's amazing. Would you have known that without a Bible or without a pastor? I I can't say that I would have. My goodness. So Elihu says something here that's very amazing. And look what he says in verse 9. He says, great men are not always wise. See, what he's saying here, he's like, I allowed the older, more experienced people to talk first, which he should have done that. But then he heard what the older, more experienced said. He said, you know what, I've let the older, more experienced speak. But he said, you know what, it's not their age or their experience that matters nearly as much as God inspiring someone to speak through the spirit of man. And then in verse 9, he says, great men are not always wise. Famous men are not always wise. Rich men are not always wise. Old men are not always wise. He says, neither do the aged understand judgment. And he's speaking uh, to these gentlemen that are, are there and dealing with Job. And so we, see, so we see here that Elihu taps into some amazing truth. He said, it is the spirit of man that receives the inspiration of the Almighty. That word there in verse 8, but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. That word inspiration, it means the breath, or the wind, or something breathed. Meaning that God literally breathes upon the spirit of man. And I always use this illustration, it's like your spirit is like a hot coal. And when God breathes on it, it reacts and it lights up and it has a sense to know what to do or what not to do. This is what's happened in our world today. We have been so filled with outward voices. We've been so filled with with TV, with internet, with movies, uh, uh, with with wrong music and, and iPods, I this, I that, and everything. All these voices are filling our lives. Now, just having those things aren't wrong. I'm just talking about the many, the so many voices that are in our lives. And we've turned up the volume on all those other voices. And by doing so, we've turned down the volume of God speaking on the inside. And we've become trapped in our carnality where we start looking for God to speak outwardly. That's what carnality does. Carnality says, give me a sign out here. They demand an outward sign from an inward speaking God. Stop looking for outward signs. Stop thinking you're going to make an investment just because the investment broker had a suit that was your favorite color. Oh, I'm going to... I'm going to marry this guy over here or I'm going to make this investment over here or I'm going to buy this house over here because I love kitty cats and when I looked at that house, there was a cat cat in the front yard. It was a sign from God. Oh God, just give me a sign. Show me something out here that I know what to do. That's carnality. You're trapped. You're trying to hear the voice of God in the realm where Satan lives. Satan lives in this natural realm. Satan lives out here in the world. The Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. Jesus said in John 14, 30, that the devil is the prince of this world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he said this is, the God, uh, Satan is the god of this world. That's right. right? So we know, why would you try to look out here in the natural realm where Satan is God and expect to get your answers. People say, well, it was a, such a good job offer. I thought it was so good it had to be God. 
No, there's a difference between something that looks good to your flesh and something that God speaks to you on, on the inside of your spirit, man. Amen? Hallelujah. So in this truth, Elihu says something amazing. He says, your age doesn't make you great. Natural things don't make you great. Now, praise God for the experienced people. We need, there is some practical wisdom. Listening to those that are older and have gone before you. Don't misunderstand me. But just being old doesn't make you spiritual. Just ask Mick Jagger. Sorry for all you Rolling Stones fans out there. (laughs) Guy's like 150 years old, but I wouldn't want him counseling my kids anytime soon. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. But seriously, just because someone has age doesn't make them godly, right? What matters most is that they're receiving and understanding and perceiving the inspiration of the Almighty in the spirit of man. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Money doesn't make a man great, right? Possessions doesn't make a man great. Because there's a lot of people in this world that have great wealth and they're still miserable. Right? There are people that have great notoriety and great fame, but they're still miserable. What makes a man great is the ability to perceive the breath, the inspiration of the Almighty in their spirit. That's what makes you great. That is what's going to cause you to live above this world. The only way to live in this world is to live above it. Don't ever forget it. The only way to enjoy life is to live above life. You have to know that. And the reason why people get so drawn into the riffraff strife and worry and cares of this world is because they failed to invest in their spirit man. Okay? Now this is what we have to understand. This is what Elihu, he is making the point here. He's saying, listen, age doesn't make you great. All these things, all these natural things don't make you great. He says, listen, I'm the youngest guy here. He said, no offense, gentlemen, but I have the words to speak because God gave them to me. You've been speaking out of your own carnality. He said, now I let you speak because you were older and wiser, but that that was just natural wisdom and it failed. He said, now I'm going to bring the true answer to you because I've been inspired of the Almighty. He said, there's a spirit in man. There's a spirit in man that is able to communicate with the Almighty God. This is the greatest potential for your life. This is the greatest potential for humanity. This is your answer. This is your way out. This is your way into blessing. This is your way out of curse-like living to know and develop and invest into your spirit to communicate with God and make decisions that are based on the inspiration of God on the inside. It's like this. Think about the tools that the flesh has. The only tools that the flesh has is your five senses. It can only make decisions based on what it sees, what it hears, what it touches, what it tastes, and what it smells. It can only make decisions based on that. Think about the difference between the flesh leading you and the spirit leading you. The flesh can only make one-dimensional decisions. Do you understand that? Meaning the flesh can only make a decision by default of what would look better feel better, and sound better. You understand that? The flesh, listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. Okay? That's pastor trying to tell you. Here's the important part. The flesh can only make a one-dimensional decision, right? The flesh is never aware of a plan or a strategy. The flesh is only aware of impulse. For example, let's say that you were offered two jobs and you were in need of a job and two jobs come up. One pays more money, one pays less money. The flesh can only tell you to take the job with more money because it can only make an impulsive, one-dimensional decision. The flesh can only make a judgment based on the surface. The flesh can only see skin deep. 
Do you understand this? The flesh can only look, and by default, it would have to take the job with more money because that's what, what would make the flesh feel better. Now, that's not to say that God couldn't lead you to take the job with more money, but the spirit now, on the other hand, it makes decisions based on the plan and strategy of God. The Spirit of God will speak to your spirit. And when God directs you, it's not because it's just a one-dimensional decision. It's because it's connected to a greater plan. A greater plan. Hallelujah. A greater plan. Meaning, the Spirit of God could speak to you and say, you know what? Take that job with less money. Because when you take that job with less money, I'm going to give you favor there. And then you're going to be there for one year, two year, three years. And then there's going to be an opportunity show up. And you're going to end up, then you're going to, then you're going to go there and you're going to be promoted. And while you're promoting there, that new spouse you're looking for is going to come into your life then. Yeah, yeah. Or that new home you're believing for is going to come into your life then. Yes. It's going to provide an opportunity. And then there is where I'm going to give you favor to speak the gospel, to witness and win souls for me there. But over here, they might pay you more money, but they're not going to give you any influence. That's right. That's right. That's right. And actually, you could take the job over here, and the people could, could criticize you and bring judgment against you and, and persecute you. Next thing you know, yeah, you're getting paid more money, but they've trashed your reputation. See, we need to see beyond skin deep. God knows a plan, and he's got a strategy. There's things that are in your heart that you're believing for that God's going to try to move you into that place to have your heart's desires. But you cannot make superficial decisions. Yeah, absolutely. you got to hear on the inside. This happened one time in my life. Um, uh, well, several times, but one time I'm going to use for an example today. Um, I had an opportunity several years back. I've told this story before, but it's just a good illustration Uh, Just a natural part of life. How many of you know that we're in a society where it's helpful to have a vehicle? Okay, I guess only five of you. Five of you drive cars, okay. Uh, We have our our, our horse trough out front, you know. And so what we do, we know that we, 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 we need vehicles. And how many of you have ever purchased a vehicle or been part of a family that's purchased a vehicle? All right. So I was in this situation. I was driving down uh, through Washington Street, uh, through all the car dealerships, and I just happened to see uh, a car there that caught my eye. All right. It was a Chrysler 300C 5.7 liter Hemi V8 hot rod decked out to the hilt. You know, just gorgeous. And I just like those cars. And so I was like, I'm just going to take a look at that car. Well, I got in there. I started looking at that car. It, this was back in 2008. And the car was an 06. It was brand new. No one had ever driven it. However, it was a two-year leftover on the car lot. And that car, its original price was about $50,000. And I looked at it like, my goodness. And the guy came out. He said, are you interested in that car at all? I said, well, yeah, I'm interested in that car at all. I said, it's not a reasonable vehicle for me to be looking at. He's like, you might be surprised. He's like, I will make... And I had my other car sitting there, which at the time was an 04 Chevy Impala. Praise God for Chevys. Amen. And uh, I'm sitting there, and the dealer's like, is that your car? Yeah. He's like, how many miles? What year? I told him that. He said, you know what? I'll go in. He's like, I'll come right back. He's like, I will make you an offer on this new car. You will not be able to refuse. I said, talk to me. (laughs) Let's talk. He goes in. He comes out. The sticker price was $50,000. Again, that was two years ago. He then came out. He said, I will will give you $14,000 on your trade, which my car was worth about five grand. He's like, I'll give you 14 grand on your car you're driving now, and I will reduce the price of that car to $21,000. It will only cost you 7000 bucks on a brand new Chrysler 300C, 20-inch wheels, chrome, Magnum V8, 385 horsepower. Man, I said, this is God. I was like, this car costs more than the house I'm living in. I said, where am I going to put this thing? I wasn't concerned. I was like, oh my goodness, this is God. I told the guy, I said, I'm still going to pray on it. What? 
you're going to pray on it. He's like, I can't, I've never made such a ridiculous offer in my life. And my mind's telling me, this is favor, this is God, this is what you should do. I went home and prayed on it, and I mean, as authoritatively as I can tell you, God said, absolutely not, do not purchase that car. <gasps> but God, but God. I'm very excited about the car that I drive now, but my whole car is worth about the tires of that other one. <laughs> And uh, I was like, but God, well, I look back on it and see, I heard the inspiration of the Almighty in my spirit. Okay. And of course, Katie and I, at that time, we didn't have children yet. Uh, just a few months later, Timothy was born. And I started looking at the, the financial situation and, and everything that was going on in our life. If I would have bought that car, I would have been incapable of buying another vehicle for my wife. I would have had to put my wife and my children in a car that was rear-wheel drive with 385 horsepower. And no offense, my wife is an awesome driver, but I'm not ready to hand her 400 horsepower in, in the winter. <laughs> Just out of practical wisdom. It wouldn't be wise. My, <laughs> but, <laughs> now, now, let me explain that. All right, I've had a few, all right? But you know, I'm talking about from the practical standpoint of a husband, you don't put your newborn children in the car in the winter. I mean, it would have been impractical for me to drive it around with the kids. That's the point I'm making. But my wife would have needed a vehicle, and uh, I would have been without one. Or, or Hey, see, see that? I would have been without one. Huh? See? Not those little moments of honesty. But seriously, I mean, how practical would it have been? Uh, 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 I mean, now my wife drives an all-wheel drive, hatchback, convenient, and all that. That car was a muscle car. It was an executive, wet on, uh, executive jet on wheels. I mean, uh, you know, it went from zero to 90. I mean, zero to 60. <laughs> So you got to be led by the Spirit. Seriously, it could have put my family in danger to be driving around a car like that in the wintertime around here. Because we would have had no other choice. I'm not saying that definitely was the reason why, but God knew there was a reason why for me not to drive that car. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Maybe, maybe it would have spared me a lot of persecution. That new pastor over that family church driving a car like that. How dare he? Well, folks, just a little warning. I'm not going to be driving these grandma mobiles forever. <laughs> My next car will have performance. <laughs> I was taking Brother Philip up to the airport, and I had to get around a semi on the throughway, and I mean, I gave it some gas, and, you know, we were both waiting for, is that it? <laughs> And Brother Philip started mocking me in this. He's like, oh, oh, feel the power. Feel, feel, feel the power. Oh, I'm pressed to the back of my seat. The, day, the days of me driving sub-200 horsepower vehicles are coming to a close. I don't care how old the vehicle is. I'll take a 69 Chevy Impala Supersport. 454, big block. Pause attraction, rear end, rock, rock. I want a car that when you touch the gas, the hood starts to lift right up. Whoa. You know, you, you, you just rev it at the stoplight, and I mean, and the engine starts to tilt and rock. So don't you get mad. Because I've sown seed. I've been obedient to God. He's going to bless me. Go with me in your Bible to 1 Kings, and we'll begin to wrap this up, which means we'll probably have at least another hour. <laughs> Go to 1 Kings chapter 17. How many of you know God has a divine plan? We have become a feel-good society, but the flesh has no knowledge of the plan and the will of God. 
Only the Spirit can make multi-dimensional decisions. That, you know, there's times when the Spirit of God could lead you to go into less, but it's for the future, for the better. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, God could lead you into a job that pays less, but while you're working that job that pay, pays less, you're going to get healed, your wayward child's going to come home and serve God, and, and all these blessings are going to take place because you obeyed God. And you're going to win souls at that job. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Still thinking of that 454. <laughs> I'm kidding. There will be someone that will say, here, that pastor, he loves his cars. No, I don't. Trust me, have you seen what I'm driving? <laughs> I'm kidding. I have a very, very reliable vehicle. Very reliable vehicle. <laughs> Just have a little fun, okay? I'm not making fun of it. I'm very blessed. But I'm going to get even more blessed. First <laughs> Kings 17. Now let's take this, let's just uh, uh, jump in here. This chapter is about Elijah. God had given him some specific orders about where to go and what to do. This is what we need to understand. We need to be led in our spirit. Verse 1, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. God was going to bring judgment upon the land because they had been wicked and disobedient. And as a result, a famine of three and a half years was going to take place. All right. In verse 2 it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah, saying... The word of the Lord came to him. Where did it come to him? It came to him right here in his spirit. The word of the Lord. Here he is, a mighty prophet of God. And notice this. This kind of leading of the Lord isn't just for prophets, right? It's for God's people to hear the inward voice. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan, and it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now that's an unusual leading, isn't it? Now remember, he's a mighty man of God, and and Cherith is out there in the middle of nowhere. We're talking desolate. It is no man's land out there. I mean, think of how easily he could have said, what? Go sit by a brook? Wait for birds to feed me? Is that really the plan of God? That was the word of the Lord. Now notice the word of God told him, go hide. Go hide yourself. Now thinking about it, he could have said, why would But have you read the story that Ahab had a wife named Jezebel that became bent on killing Elijah? It made zero sense naturally to Elijah to go there and to hide himself. But he did because God could see days and weeks, months and years into the future, and it was saving his life. We don't understand sometimes how those small decisions... On the inside, those small leadings, they're there to protect our life. Yes. Notice what God told him and told Elijah. He said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. God was trying to lead him where the supply had already been prepared. That's right, yes. God had already prepared supply for him in that place. Do you realize that God has already prepared supply for you in the decisions that he is trying to get you to make that are led by the Spirit? They're trying to get you to the place where supply is already prepared. Already prepared. All your bills, all your debts paid, all the needs you have and more are where God leads you to be. Even if it temporarily looks like subtraction. It looked like subtraction for this man of God. How many of you want to go live by a brook and eat bread that the birds bring? You know, you have a, all of us came here today with a lot more than that, right? We had houses and, and, and meals and appliances and so on. But notice God said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Supply was already prepared. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. 
Why? Because during the day he was spending time with God. He ate breakfast and dinner. He skipped lunch and was spending time fellowshipping with God. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. You mean God led him to a place and then eventually the brook dried up? Can't live there anymore. Some of you are in places that God did put you there for a while. He put you there for a season and then it dried up. And once it dries up, what's it time to do? Time to get the next leading in your spirit. Look at the next verse. Now verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, or you could say, Again the word of the Lord came. So here God led him to the brook. And then now the word of the Lord is going to come unto him again. Okay, the brook dried up. There's another move. Notice, now let's keep, let's, let's keep reading. You're going to notice something. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Again, supply was already provided. It, w- it wasn't a matter of, will there be enough? It was a matter of, will I hear the voice of God in my spirit and be led from the inside? If you're led from the inside, God will provide for you. Hallelujah. But notice, why didn't, he, why didn't he just skip the brook, skip the ravens feeding him bread and flesh, skip that whole cherished thing? Why didn't he just go straight to Zarephath? Why was that necessary? If he would have gone straight to Zarephath, he would have gotten killed. Because there was somebody waiting along that road to take Elijah's life. God may have you sit out God may have you be in a place where, you, you know, just think, he was the mightiest man of God in the land. He sat there for days, weeks, and months sitting next to a brook. But it was just as much God's plan. Because there was a Zarephath coming. You need to understand. You might be in a place where you feel, I'm not doing anything, I'm not doing anything great, I'm just sitting here waiting, waiting, waiting for God, waiting for God. You can be just as obedient waiting for him as, as if he had given you some big instruction to go save the world. You understand? Hallelujah. The brook called Cherith was absolutely necessary because it put him on the sidelines for a little while to protect his life. To save his life. Yes. And then it dried up, and then God said, go to Zarephath. And he says, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. That sounds like promotion. I'm getting away from these birds. I'm getting away from this brook. And I'm going to get, uh, there's this woman there, and she's going to feed me. Probably some good home-style cooking, right? He gets excited, but he goes to Zarephath, and he learns an interesting truth. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. So he rose, he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Remember, he has the right to ask for something to eat because God spoke to this woman and said, Feed this man. But look what she's doing. Verse 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, and a, uh, but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruse, and behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in, dress this cake for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. So Elijah had a little bit of a wake-up call. Thought he was going to a rich widow woman. Shows up, it's a poor widow woman. And God had spoken to her, feed the man of God. She's like, the only food I have left for me and my son is in one hand. And God has the nerve to tell me to give it away. Come on. Come on. God doesn't choose the rich. He chooses those that are in need so that when they get involved with God, he can multiply it back to them. 
People say, oh, I can't tithe. I have just a little left. You had better tithe. Amen. I can't get, God spoke to me. There's something in my heart to give. I can't give that. If I do that, I'm going to put me and my family at risk. Did God tell you to do it? Did God tell you to do it? God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. See, we have to be prepared that the Spirit of God does not lead us in line with our flesh. What was this woman's flesh telling her to do? Eat it. Feed your son with it. He's going to die. You're going to die. Let him eat. Let him eat. Feed, feed your son. The longer that that food was in her possession, the longer the temptation was for her to use it on herself. Right? That's right. If she feeds that food to her son, she will bury him. That's correct. Yes. She would bury him. The flesh was telling her. We know because she said, I'm going in. I'm eating this food. I'm feeding it to my son. And then we'll just die after we starve there. But notice God had already commanded her to feed somebody else. She was about to disobey God. If she eats that bread and feeds it to her son... She's going to die, but her son's going to die too. And then Elijah shows up with a gall to say, give me a piece of bread. Think about the boldness of that man of God. (laughs) She said, as the Lord thy God lives, I have not a cake, but I just have a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise. I'm going in. I'm going to dress it for me and my son that we may eat and we're going to die. And Elijah said under here, her fear not. Fear was going to steal the obedience, the leading that God gave her. Do you realize there was a conflict inside this woman? Do I listen to the voice in here or do I listen to the voice up here that is motivated by the flesh? The flesh says, eat it. And the Spirit of God was saying, give it. Because there's a plan. The flesh can only appease itself. This plan included the blessing of an entire household. Let's keep reading. Elijah said unto her, fear not. Fear was about to steal the obedience away from her. Do as you have said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after for thee and for thy son. There's the divine order. Elijah's not trying to be selfish and get the food for him first. That was the order of God. No, give it to God first, and then after, you and your son will eat. There's a divine order for your life as well. God first, you and your family second. I dare you, take care of God's family first, and your family will be taken care of. What do you, what do you think the tithe does It takes care of God's family? Hallelujah. I'm not preaching on tithing, I'm just saying that's an example. For thus saith the Lord God, verse 14... The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Wow. Now notice what it said. And he and her house did eat many days. She fed God's plan first. And God saw to it that she... Now, it says her and her house, meaning her, her son, and she had hired servants. And they obviously came back, started working again, and they were, they were eating well. Now, let's keep reading. We'll finish this up. In verse 17, it says, It came to pass after these things. So now she, she did what was right. She obeyed the voice of God. Think about the, how there was a conflict between the flesh and the spirit that day. No doubt her flesh was screaming, Eat it! Give it to your son. You can't sit there and be a responsible parent and watch him die. The devil, no doubt, was right there saying, if he dies, his blood is going to be on your head. That's what the devil, no doubt, was telling her that day. But down on the inside, but God has commanded me to give. But God has commanded me to give. God has commanded me to give. Do you see the difference between the flesh and the spirit? It came to pass after these things that the son of the woman... Uh, the mistress or the owner, that, that word mistress just means the female owner of the home. She, uh, the son fell sick, and his sickness was sore, that there was no breath left in him. 
So now her son dies of sickness and disease. Wow. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? She's blaming Elijah, right? And he said unto her, Give me your son. Elijah took him out of her bosom and carried him up to the loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, has you also brought evil upon the widow with whom I live by slaying her son? And Elijah stretched himself upon the child three times, cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again. He revived, and Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house, delivered him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. This woman, now we see why he went to Zarephath. For two miracles. For the supply of this woman's house. And for the reviving of her son. Do you realize there's miracles ahead in your future? If Elijah does not listen to the voice of God, if he doesn't first go to Cherith, if he doesn't then go to Seraphath, a woman and her son in a house die of starvation. And even if they did manage to live through the food shortage, he would have died and remained dead of sickness. We have no idea. See, this was the plan. Elijah was going to follow the plan so God could make him a blessing. Why are you led on the inside? So notice, Elijah ate well. The house ate well. Elijah became a blessing, and she received her son from the dead. When God speaks to you and leads you in in your spirit, he is doing that according to a perfect plan. It doesn't matter how much it looks like you're getting subtracted from, how uncomfortable it might be for a season, but there is a plan in store to restore somebody else, to make you a blessing, and to feed you abundantly. That is why you follow the word of the Lord in your spirit. Amen. Did you get some help from this today? Hallelujah. And if you'll... Be faithful to come on Wednesday nights. I'm going to start teaching you specifically how to hear that voice in your spirit. How to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, back in in, in January and February, we had record numbers at our Wednesday night service. I was approached by many that came to me and said, Pastor Tim, uh, I really feel the Lord has spoken to me. I'm making a New Year's resolution to start attending church on Wednesday night. We had a, I mean, a buku bunch of just a huge amount of people on Wednesday night. And over the last few weeks, people start dwindling away. I'll tell you what, we have church 6.30 on Wednesday nights. Amen. Now, I understand there's people with work commitments and so on, but if you can be here, you need to be here. Because I'm not going to separate the Wednesday series of messages from the Sunday series of messages. I'm going to continue on and tell you specifically how you can recognize and follow that yeah. voice Amen. on Wednesday night at 6.30. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you get some help here today? Yeah. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you and praise you today. Father, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful word. We thank you for this wonderful time. Father, there is a spirit in man. And the inspiration of the Almighty gives us understanding. It's not our age that matters, though, Father, we certainly appreciate those that are wise with age, righteous with age. Father God, it's not our money that makes us great. It's not our education. Father, we are not held by the rudiments of this world. Just because we're a single mother doesn't mean we can't be great. Just because we're we're, we're without a four-year degree doesn't mean that we can't be great. The degree doesn't make them great. Father God, We know what makes us great is that we are inspired and we are spoken to inwardly by the witness of the Holy Ghost. And we follow that plan and we follow that purpose. And wherever we go, we are well provided for and we become a blessing. Father, we know the flesh has only carnal tools. It can only make a default decision based on what's best for itself. The flesh is only selfish. Father, we saw... As that widow woman, her flesh was saying, eat the food. And that was selfish. 
Because, Lord, you had spoken to her, commanded her to feed the man of God. And, Father, we're so grateful that she obeyed because it saved her life. It saved her son's life. It saved the lives of the servants that worked for her. It provided means for a miracle that when sickness came against that house, and even death came against that house, you brought her son back. All because she was faithful to the command of God in her heart. Father, you were faithful to Elijah. You protected him and provided for him because he was faithful to the word of the Lord in his spirit. Lord, we thank you. You see the plan. And Father, we seek that plan. We give you the praise. And all the glory in Jesus' name. With all heads bowed, with every eye closed, before we're dismissed this morning, I want to just give you an invitation. I don't know everybody in this room personally, but I know everybody well enough to say that I want you to go to heaven. And I want you to have the blessing of God. I want you to be born again and have this life that Jesus prepared for you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's a decision with your heart. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not asking you to perform a religious ritual. I'm not asking you to light a candle or burn some incense or do some religious duty. I'm asking you to give your heart and your life to Jesus and to commit your life to follow him, to obey him and to please him out of love, not out of law. God isn't looking for those that follow out of law. He's looking for those that follow him out of love and gratitude. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision, today's your opportunity. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come down front. I'm just going to ask you right there in your seat to lift your hand and say, yes, Pastor Tim, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. As soon as I see your hand, I'll have you put it right back down. I will lead this entire congregation in a prayer. If that's you, could you lift your hand now? Is there anyone here today that you know you need Jesus in your heart? I, I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Is there anybody else that you could say, yes, I need to invite Jesus into my life. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to him. We had a hand already. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. You're just committing your life to God. You're not signing up for an official institution or, or, or some kind of legalistic thing. You're joining the family of God. And of course, that includes a local church. Is there anybody else? We've had a couple of hands. People that want to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Hallelujah. He wants to start to lead you. He wants to lead you into blessing. He wants to care for your life. He loves you. He gave his son for you. The Bible says in Romans 8.32, If he spared not his own son for us, how will he not also freely give us all things? We had a couple hands. Let's all pray this prayer. If you lifted your hand today, speak these words out of your mouth. Don't just think them. Pray, talk to the Lord, receive him into your heart today. Everyone pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me of my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. All the days of my life, I give my life to you to serve you, to please you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Were you helped here today? It's so good to get the word of God. Amen. If you just uh, uh, lifted your hand to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to encourage you. Go ahead and mean business with God. Don't be uh, embarrassed of the Jesus you're asking to save you. How many of you have made Jesus the Lord of your life and you're not ashamed to admit it? Amen. So you see, this place is, is not going to ridicule you. We're going to rejoice with you. It's not something that you ever want to be embarrassed about. 
find one of these cards, fill it out. just says, today I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Before you go, hand it to somebody. Give it to an usher. Give it to me. Give it to Pastor Brad. Give it to a friend that you're visiting with or, or maybe uh, that you know here at church. Just declare Jesus before men. Amen. We will then take these cards. We'll pray for you. And if you just made Jesus the Lord of your life, you need a local church. You need to get planted and rooted in the body of Christ so that life will continue to flow to you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's bring up our confession. Our minds have been renewed today. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and say it like we mean it. One, two, ready, go. My mind is renewed. I will live for Christ. In the face of trial, I will say, greater is God that's in me. In the face of financial hardship, I will declare, I have a supply. Every trial only serves to make me stronger. I have victory in Christ. I am a champion through God. And nothing shall make me afraid. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you today. Father, we glorify you today. And Father, we leave as being doers of the word, blessed in all of our deeds. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.